Good morning, Times Square Church. We are broadcasting and coming to you from this beautiful campus center, and it's here at Summit. And as you can see, the beautiful background behind me, we're just so delighted that you can join us at Summit today. I want to thank you, Pastor Tim, for the opportunity to be able to share this morning. And Summit counts it a privilege and an honor to serve you and to serve with you as we are training up young people to know who they are in Christ and to just know the call on their lives in a special way to live for the benefit of others. We've just actually finished a day of waiting today, and that's where we all gather in the sanctuary staff and students to be able to pray and worship and um, study the word together. It was a beautiful day. The Lord brought freedom. The Lord brought forth amazing testimonies of what he's doing in the lives of these individual students. And I see sort of a grit rising in them and a strength to want to walk in the freedom that Christ gives us. I thank God for them, and I I thank God for this generation and what he's doing it. Thank you for continuing to pray for us here at Summit and the young people. We need every prayer, but I want to tell you God is answering your prayers in this place. This morning, I want to talk to you a message, the promise, you will not be overwhelmed. There is a word that I'm hearing a lot of today, and a lot of people are using it in reference to themselves and to their situation, and they are saying, I am feeling overwhelmed. And I think that's kind of a natural response to what we have been experiencing as a society because we've been trying to cope with overwhelming change, and that in itself brings that sense of a major sea change in our life. And so in addition to dealing with COVID, we have been experiencing the stress of social distancing, mass, sickness. Many times, many are experiencing post-COVID symptoms of fatigue and brain fog. There's been closures of school. There's been working from home. Everybody at home. Sports canceled, holidays canceled, funerals not attended, and loved ones buried. You know, unrest in our streets and every deepening divide, fear of the future, it's easy to see why many would use that word, overwhelmed. And you know the list, and you can add to it. But God has an overwhelming and amazing response to overwhelmedness. And it's a grace, it's a miraculous antidote for Christians when they are facing the fear of being overwhelmed. It's a promise from God. The antidote is a promise, a promise from God, from one who never, ever breaks a promise. It is just one verse we're going to look at this morning, and that one verse is so power-packed, full of truth and life. It is amazing. That's what we're going to look at this morning. It's in Colossians 1.11, Um, I'm reading it from King James. I know it's not trendy, but it's sort of poetry to me. But it says this, Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Wow, how how do we unpack that word, that line, so much in it? But let me put it this way. God promises to strengthen us with all might, that is, all force, all miraculous power, 
all ability, all abundance with his glorious power. And any power he has is always glorious. His power is filled with glory. And this glorious power, why does God promise to have us strengthened with might and send all his glorious power upon us? This incredible arsenal of shock and awe is in order to develop in us the essential and critical part of our character, which is patience, biblical patience. Now, you may think you know what that word means, but I think you're going to be a little surprised what biblical patience is. I think we all kind of have an immediate picture comes to mind when we say that word, and it might be a little bit like, sort of like a dull resignation of wearying circumstances sort of masked by a half-hearted smile. But that's not the patience, the biblical patience of Colossians 1.11. No, actually, that word is a Greek word, and it means hupomone. Hupo means under, mone means abide. Biblical patience, according to Colossians 1.11, refers to a quality that does not surrender to circumstance or succumb or give way under trial. What an amazing word. It also means the ability to stay under pressure. It means to be able to endure. But in that enduring, it bursts forth into joy. It also means that word, hupomone, patience, It's a word associated with the word hope. I mean, just when you thought that word couldn't get stronger or better, it lands and somehow is laced and threaded through with the idea of hope. So we're able to stay under trial, endure a pressure-filled circumstance, and rather than be discouraged, there is a quality that God gives when he strengthens us with this might with his glorious power that leads us actually over time in a trial to be able to hope. Now that is completely supernatural. All because of his promise. He says when you're strengthened with all might and his glorious power, God bombards us with this grace while we are being helped to not surrender to fear to not surrender to discouragement, to not feel as if all is lost and all is hopeless, even in the most trying of times, that he will bombard our spirit and somehow there is a bounce in us because it is Christ in us who is bringing all his glorious power to bear when we are saying, God, I'm trusting you to have biblical patience. You are forming in my character the ability not to surrender under trial. This kind of character, which is tried in the, it with, it's like tried gold, it, and our, in some ways, our character becomes diamond-like, so sharp and so strong. It's totally supernatural. You know, Years ago, I was able to go up to Harlem, and at that time, there was a young pastor there, Michael, and he'd been there 10 years already when I went to visit him, and it was such a privilege being in that service where he had 
all these young people from Harlem around, and it was on an upper floor where the church was. And there was about 50 seats, and about half were empty. And uh, you could tell at one point they'd put out 50 seats because they were all nearly filled. And the young would come in there, and he would minister to them. But almost inevitably, those young people would melt away, especially the young males. Almost inevitably, they would come, but they could not stay. And they would melt away back to the streets, back to the pushers and the pimps and the drugs, back to the pain in the street. And year after year, seemingly with so little results and no big numbers, no big ties coming in, I was there at that time and I said, Pastor Michael, are you, are you discouraged? He said to me, no, actually, I've never been more hopeful. And I looked at him, and I didn't realize, like, I was looking at biblical patience in the face. But he says, no, we stay here, and we keep the lights on. See, the way that they were placed in that building is when they kept the lights on at night, the light would shine down either side of the street and could be seen from four corners, could be seen up and down the street. They kept the lights on. And those lights were saying, we're here. We're here. We're not moving anywhere. We are staying It can be tough. It can look discouraging. But we are staying here with these lights on, ready for you, because you're worth it. And they would come back slowly, inevitably, the ones and the twos, and they would come back and fill those empty chairs. And I, when they came back, see, they had been imprinted and fashioned their spirit by this indomitable spirit of patience that was upon him. See, I want to say that we reproduce after our own kind. And because there was a ministry being raised up in patients who were being supernaturally helped not to surrender to negative circumstances, not to surrender to what looks hopeless, not to surrender, but what wants to swallow you and say, you're wasting your time. Just give in and give up now. But it's a patient people who are actually starting to raise up young people who need to be a supernatural, patiently endued people in their own right. And I thank God for people like him and everybody that in prayer is learning to be patient, unsurrendered to trial, and not giving way to a hopelessness. And the more they pray, finding something in God that breathes hope and ultimately is going to lead them to joy. This supernatural ability to pray and believe like this is our only hope because young people, they are are, uh, this spiritual army that we have to be able to train, to be able to stand and withstand all that hell throws at them has to be preceded by a people who have this kind of quality in them, that biblical patience that in our own character keeps us with the lights on in our own spirit, keeps us with our own light burning. And the Lord's saying, this is totally possible for you and for me. According to Colossians 1.11, I've come to strengthen you, strengthen you with might and give you my glorious power. 
And you will be an unsurrendered to difficult circumstance kind of people who will not give out or give way, but will be sown in hope that you may push into joy and people go, what is it with you people? Why can't you be turned back? You know, it's all, beloved, the grace of God, isn't it? Because it's a gift and a promise to us. It's not us. And frankly, I never thought patience ever looked so tough. It's kind of a really tough word. And I I just love that it breaks us through into unaccounted joy. It's not a hang-ringing, overburdened saints, but it's saints giving an ability to stay committed that is totally supernatural. I'm excited about this verse. The scripture says, let patience have its perfect work. Let patience have its perfect, mature work. So many times I have shortcutted that word not realizing what an amazing biblical word it is. And let's not miss this. It's not just talking about being able to endure and not surrender in trying circumstance, but giving us sort of a courage that is supernatural and full of the miraculous. But it also includes being able to handle inward pressure, not just the outward pressure, but the inward pressures. You know, that kind when, you know, if you're in your God-appointed place, don't think it's strange when something in you wants you to run, wants you to quit, wants you to be convinced you need to be somewhere else other than you are. I'm telling you, and so many times that's a confirmation, you are totally in the right place when you are opposed like this. But this kind of patience is able to withstand that kind of pressure that comes from within. You know, in my case, there was one point I was totally convinced in my life that I needed to be in another place. And specifically, I needed to be in another house. I sort of got deluded and deceived into thinking that everything would change if I could just move. And... The problem was that when I would pray, hoping God would bless my plan, I could sense that if I ever took one step out of the place I was in, God was not in it. And I found out that true faith is never in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. Change, I want change, I want change. But true faith is never in a hurry. And I found out it takes God to obey God. And when I would pray, and I would sense, like, I don't think he would be in it, somehow a grace prevented me from actually moving into what I wanted, or moving, or acting out on it. But I did find during that time that whatever we withhold from God, the enemy feeds on it. Whatever we withhold from God, the enemy feeds on it. Now, I I was withholding trust, and I was withholding some humility, convinced I knew what I needed, even though it was he who called me and bought me with a a precious price. I was withholding trust and humility. But what the enemy was feeding on and building in my life was a growing resentment and a growing bitterness. 
but I'm here to say a grace visited me and God helped me when I sent out a cry. God help me. I, I want what I want, but somehow I sense you're going to give me the grace to say, but I'll do what you asked me to do. And so he kept me. You know, when you want to live for Christ, our lives so parallel the life of Peter. You know, Jesus, one of his last words he said to Peter, he said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my lambs. And I want you to follow me. I was thinking about that feed and follow. Those were the two words given to Peter. And beloved, if you today are saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for the grace to want what you want. Thank you for the grace to walk it your way, the path you've chosen for me. And if that's your heart, then the same commission on Peter is for you and I today. We are to feed the lambs and the sheep. We are to bless people. We are to bring them in some ways that encouragement where we've been encouraged with. We're to help bring them the word of God. We're to feed and we're to follow. But you know what happened with Peter? It said, but Jesus said to him, after you feed and after you follow, I want you to know there'll be a time in your life that you will be asked to stretch forth your hand and you will go to a place you don't want to go, but it will glorify me. And beloved, that is going to be our experience at some point if we're committed to feeding God's sheep through our lives, through our example, and we want to follow him. We're going to have to stretch out our hands and we're going to be led to a place that our flesh doesn't want to go, but it's going to glorify God. And then I promise you, he will visit you and I with strengthened with all might and his glorious power under all patience and long-suffering, he will make good on anyone who stretches forth their hands and say, Lord, my flesh is not willing, but my spirit is willing to follow you. So help me. And I'm telling you, the reward is he visits us. He will help us, and it will become supernatural, those steps that we take in following Christ. I, when, we, when I finally surrendered and I said, Lord, I, I want what you want, it was, um, I, I'm not telling the story as it really was, but it was a huge tussle of my will. But finally, God broke through and he gave me great contentment where I was. I don't know how he did it because one day I hated it and the next day it was like, yeah, this is okay. I kind of found you here. I kind of found your glorious power, strength. I found your compassion for me. I found you here. And it was amazing. And from that experience, I bought a plaque that I hung in my house for years. I've said it so many times, but it means so much to me. It's a plaque that read, God gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. He really does. And finally, beloved, this verse says, and strengthened with all might and glorious power for patience and long-suffering. And that word long-suffering is another Greek word. It means macrothumia, and it means patience with people. Long-suffering means people patience. You see, the first patience was a power for circumstance. 
but and that's patience. But long suffering is God promises to give us patience for people. And how our world so needs this patience with people. There's so little patience and love and respect in the world. Jesus is such the perfect example of continuing in trial unsurrendered. Continuing in trial because he thought we were worth it. And so when he clearly imbued with all the might and glorious power of heaven, he chose us, he chose me when I was a sinner. And he stayed on that cross and suffered agonizingly to the point where he died. And he was taunted during that suffering time. Come down off that cross and save yourself. But he would not. He would not surrender. He would not give way. And in the most agonizing moments of his life, he would not give way. Love kept him there. The song is, why did they put nails in his hands and his feet? Love would have kept him there. I'm telling you, love kept him on that cross. And this patience for people, this love for people, so modeled by Christ, that he would not come down for our sakes, for our eternal sakes. He would not come down. And the cry today is save yourself. The cry of this age is save yourself. Look out for yourself. And beloved, it's a total antichrist spirit. But Jesus endured. He endured the cross. He had a contempt for the shame of the cross because he didn't think it a shame that he was saving the world by not surrendering to the voices or the pain. There was no shame in him loving and bearing long with us. How can we become more like Jesus? By bearing long and becoming long-suffering one with another. This world needs more long-suffering people. This kind of quality that will bear long with them even when it doesn't make sense. When we see that they're star for the love of Christ and they need to know He's there for them. He endured everything to win their soul. And we also have to become more long-suffering with people. I think that the impact that we'll have in our world will be so huge because of the contrast it will be in this world. It will have impact because it will have such a contrast. Scripture says, bear with one another. And I think that if we can learn to bear with one another, we're going to actually be available to uh, deal with a greater range of people. You know, if we only bear with the people that we sort of kind of like or bear with the people because we have to. But if we're willing, Lord, teach me how to deal with people as you would deal with them. That you could trust me with all kinds of people. Not just the people I like or the people I agree with. But Lord, if you could somehow share that character of who you are in my spirit. That I could become long-suffering with people. You could trust me with a lot more people. I think so many times we have to leave 95% of the world untouched. Because we can only deal with 5%. But I know in this last age, God is going to strengthen us with might. And give us his glorious power to be able to be 
people patient, people enduring, people loving. And it's going to have a huge impact. And when we do it, we're going to burst into not just hope, but joy. And that in itself will also be a huge contrast in this day and age. Ah, God really does have an antidote to being overwhelmed. Takes a track we could never experience. We never would think that when we're overwhelmed and we ask him for Colossians 1.1, that kind of patience and long-suffering in the biblical sense is one of the mightiest character strengthening graces that we could ever ask for. And God sends heaven to grace us with it. He knows it's no small task to not to keep us unsurrendered in very difficult places. But I think he comes alongside of us so closely in these times and changes us forever and gives us a hope that is not explainable. And I just want to close by saying this. When I looked up that word joyfulness, it also had kind of a small connotation that I I never expected because this whole verse is totally unexpected when you break it down into the Greek. But that word joyfulness actually has an element of calm to it because I think joyfulness is very expressive and demonstrative, but it actually has that quality of calm in it. And that says to me that when the world is in a storm and when our world is in a storm, our heart can be calm. That's like amazing. And that calm and that joy, again, will be so supernatural because people to be calm in a storm is not natural. You know, I think of closing when I'm trying to explain what the total sum benefit of what it is to be patient and long-suffering that moves us to joyfulness, I'm thinking that this kind of lifestyle opens up a whole new world to us, a whole new way of living and a whole new way of thinking, a power to endure, a power to not buckle under trial, a power to transmit that to other people around us so that we can stay alive and vibrant in Christ, a power that defies logic, defies our ability to do it, defies our even want to sometimes. But God says, I'm going to send you help from heaven that will be so amazing, it's going to look like this. It's going to open up a whole new world of an option to you that was never available before. And I think the best way to describe it is looking again at the Apostle Peter. One time, he was in a storm of his life. And somehow, in that storm, he was commanded by Jesus, who was walking on water, for him to get out of the boat. To get out of the boat in a storm and come to him. And the natural man or the carnal Christian could look at that storm and say, really? Because I have two options here. I can get out of this boat and my options are I'm going to sink or swim. But when we walk with Christ, we get a third option and we get to walk on water. The world has two options. In Christ, we have three.
We can keep those waves under our feet, unsurrendered in a time of pressure, a place where we do not have to yield when things get so tough. He promises, if you will call on me, I will surprise you with the might and the power I will give you. You will be given a staying power that you can keep the waves under your feet when you should sink, when you should be hopeless. I promise you, you have a whole other option. I've sort of been really provoked to want to learn what biblical patience is. And I thank God the ability to be unsurrendered in my difficult and overwhelming circumstance. My ability not to give way under trial and yet come up with hope and joy. I'm, I, I just love that Jesus, I feel he's challenging us in Colossians 1.11. Will you do it and prove my promise to be more than true? Um takes all of heaven to have it happen in our soul and he's willing to give that so beloved i hope just these few thoughts on patience and long suffering describing our trial in an overwhelmed time will give us hope because the promise is that we don't have to be overwhelmed according to colossians 1:11, and that promise is true and jesus will make it happen for each one of us so beloved waiting patiently here at Summit. Till next time, God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you made a decision to be born again today, would you text the word decided to 51000 and we'll be sure to send you a video that gives you a great next step in your walk with God. We are so excited for you and are celebrating with you. We hope you enjoyed this message. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today and have a great week.